0: Well, good morning everybody. Welcome to Resurrection City Church. My name is Joel, I am one of the pastors uh, here and uh, if you're visiting us today, I just want to say welcome and thank you for uh, being with us on this Sunday morning. We are very excited to have you here and to everybody else. It's been a couple weeks, so I'm really excited to see all of you as well. We've been out of town and traveling and had all these holidays and stuff that we've all been doing, and it's it's really fun to be back together here uh, at church. And at church specifically uh, is an important part of that because we're going to be talking for the next few weeks about the church. Um, we're going to be kind of doing a couple of, of mini-series here for the next uh, about eight weeks or so, where we are going to be talking about things that we uh, do on a normal basis, kind of the, the very fundamental things about Christianity and what we believe and what we do, and we're going to talk about uh, why we do them. We think it's important to, to go back to those things on a regular basis and ask, like, why do we gather here on Sunday mornings? Every Sunday. Why is that an expectation, or why do we, why is that a normal thing for us to do? Um, and then after that series, actually, or after this series, we're actually going to do one on the Lord's Prayer, where we're going to ask a similar question: Why is this the prayer that Jesus uh, gave us and told us? Like, when you pray, this is how I want you to pray. Um, so we're going to kind of do that and just walk through uh, some of those basic things because it's helpful to go back and and ask ourselves why are we doing what we're doing? And then once we have finished up those two kind of mini-sermon series. Uh, we're going to be starting in the book of John, which we're going to be in for a few months after that. So I'm really excited uh, for this year, for this new year and everything that is planned, and, and I hope you guys are too. All right, so let, let's get into it a little bit more. Like I said, today we're going to be talking about why church? Why do we do this? Why are what, what what the heck got you out of bed this morning to drive on icy roads and sit in these red chairs in a in a elementary school cafeteria this morning? What 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 was that thing? I want to talk about a little bit about that because I think we we take it for granted. Um, there's a there's a, a a series preface to a to a book of Christian essentials, um, and I was reading a book of this recently, and I loved. a a phrase in there at the very beginning of this that kind of introduced the series. And the author says, to grow means to stay at the beginning. Okay? To, to grow means we're supposed to uh, look back at, at what we're doing constantly, and w- as we do that, we will continue to grow. That's kind of the point of, of what this author is saying, and I think that that's so fundamental for us to do on a regular basis with all the stuff that we do and what we believe. It's actually a very simple thing we believe, right? And, but we need to be coming back to it constantly if we're going to grow, uh, Martin Luther has a quote where he says, Although I'm indeed an old doctor, and he means like a teacher by that uh, phrase, doctor, I never move on from the childish doctrine of the Ten Commandments and the Apostles' Creed and the Lord's Prayer. I still daily learn and pray them with my children. Now, what what he's saying there when he uses the word childish, and this is trademark Luther sarcasm when he, when he uses that phrase childish, but he's saying like, we tend to look at something that we learn when we're young, maybe, or learn at the beginning and think, cool, I've got that, now there must be something new to move on to, right? Or or whatever I learned then, maybe it helped me in that time, but I don't necessarily need it as I get older. A great example of that is like math, unless you're an engineer. Uh, I basically learned all the math I needed to know in like third grade and I have not used any math since then um, because of my career. It turns out you don't need to know a lot of math to be a pastor, but um, you know what I mean? So there's different things like this, right? That we, we learn, we think, we've got it, but there must be something new that we have to move on to and we do this with Christianity too. We think, boy, I've got this gospel thing down. I've got you know wh- whatever the things were that I learned at the beginning when I was really excited about coming to faith, I've got that stuff down. There must be some new thing, right? Like, I I can't be, it can't be going back to that that old stuff over and over again, right? And actually, that's true, it is, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today, okay? Before I do, I want to just unpack a little bit, though, what, what are the reasons that we do often think of coming to church? And so, there's been Pew Research studies done on everything that you could imagine but one of them that I read recently was what are the reasons that people do or don't come to church and I think it's just interesting to read people's responses to get a sense for how uh, people do view what what church is and 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 as you hear some of these maybe you'll think oh yeah I I totally resonate with that maybe that's a reason why I keep coming to church and so I'm going to talk about that and then we'll talk about you know, what, what is some good in that, but then also what are some reasons to kind of like think about church differently than apparently most people do. So 81% of people in America f- go to church to feel closer to God. Um, 69% go for their kids to have a better moral foundation. go to make me a better person, um, and 66% go for comfort in times of trouble or sorrow. Um, uh, For reasons that people don't go to church, the highest uh, reason is that 37% of adults say the reason that they don't go to church um, is because they practice their faith in different ways. Um, and, and for people who are looking for a new church, uh, typically people that are like moved to a new city, they're looking for a new church to join as they relocate, the th- main things that they look for are 83% say I want a c- high quality or the quality of sermons is, is something I'm thinking about. 79% uh, say I want to be welcomed by the leaders or the clergy of that church. 74% say the style of worship or, or whatever is being offered. And 70% say the location is, is a major factor for me you okay okay now this is helpful because it kind of shows what people are, are thinking and I think there's a lot of really good stuff in there right uh, being close to God having a good moral foundation looking for sorrow or, and comfort and wanting to learn right wanting to have good biblical truth preach them in a, in a compelling way that's all re- really awesome but I also think when you kind of take a step back from that you, what you see is a lot of people are expecting church to kind of offer them something like there's some product that I'm hoping the church will give me, and if they have the type of product, like a high enough quality of, this, of the product I'm looking for, then, then I will give it my allegiance, okay? And so it's just kind of interesting to see that and I wanna, I wanna maybe challenge that thinking. And Julie, Julie and I wanna challenge that thinking as we kind of talk about what church is um, in this in this service. Now, again, don't get me wrong. Those are great reasons to come to church. And like Julie's gonna talk a little bit more about some of that stuff specifically next week. But I wanna take a step back for for that. And and for me, this is like a really personal sermon and sermon series because um, in college, I totally was that person. I, I went to. I tried to go to church on a regular basis in college. Um, I, I was pretty busy on Sunday mornings because of one of my jobs. But when I could make it, I would, would try to go. But I bounced around, like, several different churches for a while. And I had really no intention of actually getting involved in any of the churches that I went to. I just was looking for a place to go on Sunday morning. Um, and it wasn't even because I was, like... Wine to, wine to hear a good sermon? I just thought like I probably should be at a church on a Sunday morning. I should I shouldn't go home for Thanksgiving and tell my parents that I'm not currently going to any churches on Sunday morning, right? So I should find somewhere to go that I can tolerate, but. I didn't actually believe that that whatever church I was going to had a whole lot to do with my life because I kind of I kind of thought I had a pretty robust like personal relationship with Jesus like I would would you know during the week on the way to classes I'd listen to sermons or podcasts um, for like really talented preachers who were definitely better than the people that I was hearing at the churches I would go to in Fargo um, sorry if anyone from those churches hears me saying this um, for for whatever reason right but you know just really talented speakers and I thought well I'm learning a lot more from these people and I'm reading my own Bible and growing on my own I don't necessarily need a church to help me to do that stuff okay and Um, I I got convicted at the fourth church that this was actually pretty terrible. I kind of kept telling myself, too, ah, who knows where I'll even be when I graduate college, so what's the point of getting attached if, you know, at some point down the road I might not be here anymore, which is kind of ridiculous, right? But, like, I thought, ah, I just better not to make friends if I'm just going to leave eventually anyway. But, like, I got convicted about a you know about a year you know or so until I was going to I knew I was going to be leaving that this was a terrible way to go about doing stuff and so I tried you know really hard to to get connected to the church I was in and that was a really important thing for me in my spiritual growth. And then when I when I did finally leave and I ended up at a church down at Hope where we, we planted out of and got really connected there, I found in my own heart, like my view of the church expanded and like I had, my heart grew towards church three sizes that day, right? Like the like just like the Grinch in Christmas, okay? Um, but but seriously you guys, like I have for the last five years just been so in love with what this is and obviously that's a big part of leading towards me wanting to plant a church and so I'm really excited uh, to talk about that in this sermon series and hopefully um, get you as excited about about the church as I am that's kind of my goal for this and me and Julie for both of us all right so so what what I want to do today is I want to I want to talk a little bit in 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 second Corinthians 5 and then we're going to unpack what the apostle Paul says uh, in just a few verses here and what that means for what the church is and what we're doing here okay all right so here we go second Corinthians 5 verses uh, we're going to do 18 to 20 and I have 18 to 19 on the screen here Um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So what Paul's saying here is that God is doing something in the world and it's called new creation. The, the, the phrase there, that it, it's hard to translate the very first uh, sentence of this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, is how the NIV says it. And that's one of the best ways to say it. But literally in the Greek it says, if anyone is in Christ, new creation. That's that's how it reads, okay? So it's like this, this new reality, this thing that God is doing, that is bigger than the people who are becoming new creation, is breaking into the world, okay? It's kind of like saying, if you're cold then that must mean it's winter outside, right? Like the fact that you're cold means something about the reality of your world has changed around you and you're being affected by it because of that change. And new creation is that thing. God is, is coming, he is reconciling the world to himself through Jesus, okay? And so it's not just this personal state before God, but it's a brand new state of affairs marked by what Paul says, something called reconciliation or forgiveness of sins, all right? this, this is this new reality, this new structure, this new group of people who've been formed by the fact that God is forgiving sins and reconciling the world back to himself through Jesus. That's, that's what Paul is saying here, okay? So something big is going on, he says. And we get caught up in that as we have our sins forgiven and are ourselves reconciled back to God. Paul continues in verse 20. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So, Paul says, if you get caught up in this thing, you become an ambassador. You become a representative of like a new country in whatever, whatever country you're a part of. That's what happens to you when this takes place, okay? So, this is the big idea that Paul's saying. We're ambassadors of something called reconciliation and new creation, Okay? we're ambassadors of a part of creation right just like the first creation that God made at the, in the very beginning he created the whole world he's doing a new creation now that is is no longer in conflict with him it's no longer governed by sin or death or despair um, or rebellion or false worship of corrupt idols who who have it as their goal to to wreck us and ruin us and pull us away from who God is and and so we live in we breathe the air of reconciliation. is what Paul is saying here. And we have a task now of speaking these words as ambassadors, right? And this certainly includes like preaching the gospel, what we would call evangelism. But I think it goes deeper than that too. It's almost like we speak a new language, right? When you are from another country, you speak a different language, you speak a different dialect that represents where you're from. And that's true of us as ambassadors of this, this new thing that God is doing. He's bringing to the earth called new creation. And and the best word to describe this is really like an invasion, right? An invasion from God of our earth, but it's a different type of invasion, right? It's not the Crusades, it's not D-Day, it's not any of the, the ways we would typically think of one country invading another. It's an invasion of love and of justice and of mercy, okay? And so we're a part of that now as ambassadors. Now, ambassadors have a thing called embassies. And this is a this is a picture of, maybe not a, a, like a happy picture to show right now, but I'm assuming, right, those of you who follow the news are aware of the US embassy, sorry, embassy in uh, Iraq, right, that has caused a lot of uh, big, big world events lately, right? But embassies have been in the news, all right? embassy is the place where the authorized representatives of a nation to a foreign country live. It's the the place that they go that kind of marks out where where they're at. And so you have the ambassadors that are there, like the key leader. You have support staff. You have uh, advisors. You have accountants. You have um, strategists, interpreters. And you have soldiers. You have spies. You have all of these these people who can make sort of a version of, of of a country run in a completely new place and it's called an embassy and, and apparently this is this is a misconception but but typically when you talk about an embassy you, you refer to it as foreign soil Literally, it's like the soil, if if this were the U.S. Embassy in another country, we would say the ground we're on top of, it's like we took some soil from the United States and we transported it over here to this other country. We are still our own sovereign unit even though we're inside of France or Iraq or England or whatever, whatever country we're in, right? That's what an embassy is. And so it's this group of people living in this space that actually represents somewhere that's not here, all right? And they're, they're, taking, um, uh, they're in contact with the leader of that country. They're operating foreign policy on behalf of the president or whatever, the king or queen or the leader of that other country. All right? So if we're ambassadors of this thing that God is doing that comes from another place but it's coming into our world, that means the church is like the embassy of new creation, of reconciliation, of what God is doing. All right, and our job is to operate from this embassy, from this place. That's not necessarily made up of of a certain physical location, but is made up of the people who are a part of it. Our job is to operate foreign policy on behalf of our king, on behalf of the place that we are representing uh, in the world that we're in. And I think like. You know this is a this is a great this is an idea that i'm talking about, but that has actually played out in history when even if we don't typically think of it like this right um, the impact of the church in the world just it literally can't be understated right it, it probably can I guess but if you actually study history and see the impact of the church in society ever since it starts 2,000 years ago, the impact of it is is mind-blowing. There's been a lot of, like, bad stuff that has come from the church, too, right? And so we've got to grapple with that. Like, we have not always been a positive impact, but that's been the church not living up to its calling when that's taken place. And when we actually look at the church actually living it out, it's pretty, it's pretty incredible, um, I thought about providing a long list of examples of this, but I won't. You just got to take my word for it. But seriously, go do some research on this. Like the church and its role in even in even where we're at now, it, it's pretty staggering. Um, just uh, like people who go to church more often are just on average are are just by us, all these different ways of quantifying it, better neighbors, better lovers of the city that they're in, just in, even in really small ways. Typically, people who go to church are much more willing to do acts of love towards their neighbors. Um, FEMA, the, the, the U.S. agency that deals with emergencies, says that faith groups make up the bulk of all emergency relief in the United States. It's faith groups, right? Now, where do faith groups come from? Where, how are faith groups organized? churches send them out, right? Groups of people being organized and saying, let's live, all right, God has done something to us, right? He's reconciled us and made us new. He must want us to go do that out in our cities too, and in our countries and in the world itself. Churches organize people to go and do that stuff and that's well, that's us operating as that embassy of new creation, of, of, of reconciliation in the world, okay? And so that's what we are so intent on doing here at Res City, everything that we do is out birthed out of this vision of being an embassy cuz you're all ambassadors you're sp- to, to speak the message of reconciliation now i want to talk i want to kind of for the rest of the service i just want to break down three ways in which we are Acting out reconciliation, okay? Because so far this has been kind of maybe a vague term to you, right? M- explained a little bit. But what does actually reconciliation through the church look like, okay? I have three, three ways that I talk about how um, the church prepares us to be uh, ambassadors in the world. Three ways in which reconciliation is, is working out through what the church is doing, okay? First of all, reconciliation to God, Second of all, reconciliation to each other, and then finally, reconciliation in our whole lives, okay? So I'll unpack each of those three here for the rest of the sermon. So first of all, reconciliation back to God, creating counter habits of worship. Let me explain what I mean here, okay? So we are, are reconciled back to God through Christ, right? We, we are rebels to him, we, we are rejectors of God, we are worshipers of other things, but we are reconciled back to God through Jesus Christ. No longer rebels, but daughters and sons of the king who, who now is, in, is invading this space, right? Including our, our own lives. Now, like I said earlier, to grow means to stay at the beginning. And being at the beginning uh, of, of knowing Jesus means worshiping him for what he's done. Truly understanding with childlike wonder what, what it is that God has done through his son in our lives. Now when we don't consistently go back to that worship, to that beginning, we're going to constantly be looking for new things its going to feel stale and boring to us, all right? So what we have to do is create habits of going back to the beginning of worshiping God for who he is and what he's done, going back to places in our lives when we understand that better than when we get distracted or unnerved or by other things, right? Our reconciliation to God is like the water supply of a tree, right? And you can't grow beyond worshiping God and, and that reconciliation back to him in the same way a water or a tree can't go along without water right it's gonna it's gonna die eventually if it loses its water supply and we're the same way right if we're not constantly going back to God in worship then we're eventually gonna we're eventually gonna die off and that's just how it works and so people who feel stale in their faith many times are people who are not going back to the beginning not trying to create habits of worship in their lives because our habits shape us towards certain loves or beliefs we think of it as the other way around we think of like if I love something then I'll go do stuff associated with it but but actually that's not really how we work usually you you grow to love or desire the things that you're around often and create certain habits towards even if you don't understand you're creating those habits okay um, I, I talk to people sometimes and I, I myself right find myself in doing this where you'll talk about like I care about loving God more I I care I want to grow and worship him more but I just like if I'm being totally honest, I'm more excited about other things. I would rather watch Netflix than read my Bible. I would rather spend time with this significant other than spend time with God. I would rather, uh, you know, go do the stuff of my job, right? I'm more excited about, about whatever I do for my work than I am about doing the work of God in the world, okay? Just those things excite me more, right? If I'm being totally honest, I know I should love God more, but that stuff seems more exciting to me. And when I look at my own heart in those times or when I talk to other people who are like this and you just ask them, what are your habits? Like how much, you know, what are you actually doing with the bulk of your time? You find that like, I want to watch more Netflix because I watch a lot of Netflix. You know, that's what's comfortable to me. That's what the habits I have in my life are shaped towards. Or I spend a lot of time around this person and, and I just want to spend more time around them because that's the habits I put in place in my life and your habits tend to direct where your heart is at. Now, that's a really powerful thing when you're thoughtful about what your habits are. It can kind of become a dangerous thing when you don't have any thought put towards what your habits are because then your heart will be directed towards all sorts of things that you don't intend. So, the church is trying, you know, what we're trying to do is create counter habits that, that align our hearts towards worship of God to, to help us to go back to the beginning so that we can grow as we consistently go back to the beginning, go back to reconciliation with God, go back to that water supply so that we will see fruit grow from us just like a tree that is has a constant and, and living source of water coming near to us, all right? And so the different things that we do in a church, even just on a Sunday morning, are all the Julie was talking about this a little bit earlier, to shape our hearts towards something in particular. Whether it's the call to worship, where we set up opportunities during the week for you to connect with each other and with God, which we always try to put a few things, opportunities in front of you that you can do throughout the week to get connected uh, to other people or to God. Um, Whether it's in uh, the the liturgy, right? We're trying to prepare our hearts towards worship. The actual worship itself, this is about uh, worshiping God, directing our hearts towards an awe of him that that is wholly other and beyond us through through the power of music. The sermon, right? We're trying to challenge and teach ourselves more about the gospel, going deeper and deeper. I'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, in communion, which we do every single week after the service, we're, we're coming up, we're reminding ourselves of the whole reason we exist is because of Christ's body broken for us and his blood, sh- or his blood shed for us on the cross, right? This is the heart of everything that we do, and so we do it every week to remind ourselves of that. Um, and then through community, whether it's community before the service, when we're all hanging out here, or afterwards, when we're all just talking, we're, 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 we're people who, again, we're the, the embassy is made up of the people of God. When we come together, like that has a powerful effect on us when we spend time around other people who have the same king. So we're trying to create these counter habits of worship in the church because like, it's hard to do on your own when you go out out from here, all right? So the church is is trying to organize our hearts towards the worship of God with, with everything that we do, all right? Second part of reconciliation. Reconciliation to each other which means we need to, uh, and, and if I'm talking about an application here, I'm t- I want to talk about avoiding false interconnectivity with other people at Res City. So, so let me just take a minute to talk a little bit about how we connect with each other in the world today. And we live in an incredible time. We live in a digital age where I can be more connected to someone who lives in Australia than my own neighbor, right? Isn't that incredible? You think about that? I, I know, like, w- you know, I, we have, like, We're trying to trying to deepen this, but like we have we have good relationships with all of our neighbors, but but very few of them go beyond just like a "what's up, dude?" as we're walking our dog down the street, right? Isn't that crazy? But I know people who who live in you know like Fargo still way 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 better than them, and I take the time to connect with them, and I can do it with my phone. It's a really incredible thing, right? But, and, and, and like, we can stay connected to each other as a church here too. Again, it's incredible. If you miss a Sunday, you can still hear the sermon because we post it on YouTube and on, you can listen to it on your podcast app, wherever that is. It's really cool. You can stay connected with what we're doing. Um, You can text or email different people in the church or in your community group to find out. Let's say you missed a a night of community group, but you want to know what are the prayer requests, what do we talk about? You can find that out, just a a nice little text to your group text or whatever it is that you guys use to talk to each other, okay? But it matters that we come together in person because while this sort of digital connection is awesome, it's actually, it's not the real thing, right? It's never going to be more than like, Something to help keep the bonds that should be created and maintained through being together physically on a regular basis like that's all that it should be good for okay It matters that we reconnect to here together. In, on this sovereign soil, right? Like we talked about before, this fo- foreign soil. We're on foreign soil when you're in an embassy. We're together on sovereign soil in this place right now. It, it matters that we do that on a regular on a regular basis because we can't digitally fake being in our homeland. Okay, We just can't do it. Trying to, trying to maintain connections just digitally is just like, it's like if you're from Duluth, but you have an apartment here in the Twin Cities and you throw a picture of the lake up in your apartment and you say, it's just like, you know it's just like having a window to the lake it's basically the same thing right it's totally not you know that it isn't even though it kind of looks like it right that's what digital connection is like but it creates the it creates uh, like other stuff in us too beyond that okay one of the things about um about the, this digital connection that that we we love so much but that creates something in us again that we don't really understand is happening is it creates this expectation towards us that what really matters is wherever I'm not, that I am connecting through to my phone, right? My Your phones create an obligation to us that something else more important must be going on somewhere else. And my phone, this thing that I scroll through, is the place that I need to go in order to connect to that. It's gotta be more interesting and more exciting than what I'm doing here, right? Whether it's on social media like Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you know, when we go... <laughs> Okay, I I do this all the time, right? So I'm not critiquing anybody, you know, beyond what I'm critiquing myself here. But like when you're at, when you're like hanging out somewhere and you're like, man, whatever I'm doing here is super cool. I have to let all my followers on Instagram know I'm here doing this. You're showing, you care more about what people that are sitting, I don't know, hundreds or thousands of other places care about more than the people you're actually hanging out with and you're trying to show them what you're doing because you think their opinion of what you're doing matters more than the people who you're doing it with, right? That wires our brain a certain way when we do that often, right? To make us think that who really matters are the people who are not with us. Okay? That's crazy, but it's, it's how our brains work and it's what our phones do to us. Right? If it's Twitter, right, you're more worried about some conversation that's going on in the Twitterverse, some thread that some person has, and what the conversation that's going on there, that matters a lot more than whatever conversation I'm having with the person who's right in front of me. Right? Different apps or games right, connect you to some other world right, of crushing candy. Like, that's way more important. and I just wish I could enter that world where I destroy you know, little pieces of candy on my screen. You know, instead of the world that I'm currently occupying right now. Okay, that, that wires your brain a certain way. Whether, it's news alerts, right? You get alert that tells you what's going on in D.C. or going on in some sports game, and then now, boom, whatever you were doing before is completely interrupted, and it's now, i got to think about and care about whatever I saw on my phone just now right? Whatever's going on in some other place that I'm not at, that's what actually matters in this place. It's an interruption of whatever it is that you're doing and wherever you're at. Um, and, you're, and I mean, maybe the worst of all, your work email, right? Right, Your work email is is designed to get you to be thinking about work when you're not at work, right? And it's, you know, that sometimes that, again, this is helpful stuff, right? It's good that we have this stuff. I'm not saying we should become Amish and move out and, right, get, throw our phones out the window on the drive out to, you know, the planes or whatever. But we got to be thoughtful about how these things that we have in our pockets impact us and how they might change our inc- interconnectivity here in this place where community really matters in this church, in this church building, Okay? Because, because that can really devalue our personal connection with each other here. And that's important. Okay, um, the, the, the new creation, right? this church, it is about somewhere that's not here invading the present. But it's specifically about that. It's not about trying to get our attention to go somewhere else. It's about that place coming to where we are here now. Okay, and you'll hear us talk about that a lot, right? The new creation is, is it's, you know, we're, we're waiting for this thing that God is going to do finally and fully in the earth. But we're trying to do as much as we can now to anticipate that in the future, okay? And so we're worried about bringing that stuff to where we're at, which means we need to be physically and personally present where we're at and trying to think about how we can bring God's kingdom and his love and his justice, right? This invasion I was talking about earlier to birth wherever we're at now. All right, And that leads to, uh, to our, our final point of application. The last way that the church does reconciliation is in our whole lives, by creating a reconciled mind, okay? Let me, let me talk about what I mean by that. So, reconciled here means a reconciliation of all of our thinking so it's all oriented around Jesus and around the gospel and around what God is doing in the world. Because we're really good, and I've talked about this before, but we're really good about segmenting things out or compartmentalizing them. I remember at, at, in college at the wellness center, um, we uh, you know, we had these banners all all around, which where, where is like, you want to find wellness in, I forget however many dimensions of wellness, but so you want to find wellness in you know, your uh, social connections and wellness uh, spiritually and wellness uh, physically. and wh- Whatever. You guys uh, I imagine you've, you've seen stuff like this before right? Now we do that right? We're good about segmenting it but we think like whatever is filling my health box doesn't have anything to do with what's filling my spiritual box. So I'll kind of determine what type of health I need in, or wellness I need in my spiritual box on its own. Apart from how I think about what's taking place in these other boxes too. So We're called to reconcile all of our thinking so that everything we do is growing out of the gospel. It's growing out of of Jesus. We're supposed to reconcile all of our thinking so that it becomes uh, intertwined with one another. That's not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing when when what what we think is is well or healthy in one box invades all the rest of them, okay? We want to have reconciled minds, everything, all of our thinking reconciled around Jesus. And the church is supposed to help us to do that well. I have a quote here from N.T. Wright in in his book, Paul and the Faithfulness of God. He says, Paul saw his apostolic work, so his work of of planting churches throughout the Mediterranean. You can read about in the book of Acts. Um, He saw this work as an advanced project for the ultimate new creation himself, okay? So again, Paul was anticipating that someday Jesus is going to return and he's going to establish his kingdom on earth, right? And, it, and it's no longer going to be this sort of weird in-between state. We, talk, we talk, talk about this a lot here at Res City, okay? Paul saw what he was doing in the present as anticipating what God would do in the future. So these communities that God created were to be uh, a new kind of philosophical school, teaching and modeling a new worldview, inculcating a new understanding, a new way of thinking. Okay, So Paul realizes, like I'm starting these communities of people who are trying to live now like we will live in the future when Jesus returns, as much as it's it's possible to do. We're going to try and do that now. Now here's the problem with that. You're trying to live out something you have no clue what it looks like, right? Uh, there's a you know this is this is coming from another place that we literally don't know because we we're not there both because it's in the future and because God's the one who's bringing it there's a there's a disjoint there it's unknown to us because we've only ever lived in our own land and so and Paul knew this right Paul knew that because of that, he needed to form these communities, these churches, so that they are able to model and teach each other what it looks like to live as new creation, what it looks like to be ambassadors of this message of reconciliation in the world. You have to learn that from somewhere, and you can't just Wikipedia it, right? You have to to be with someone, with other people who are also searching this out, reading scripture, right, modeling ourselves after Jesus, Um, uh, copying one another, encouraging one another, rebuking, challenging each other, uh, praying with one another, right, Coming to situations we don't know how to act. There's no, there's no road map here because, you know, Paul didn't have whatever thing we are struggling with. We can't find anything in Scripture. So we've got to wrestle with that together to figure out the best way to move forward to honor God, to live as new creation here. And you can't do that on your own. As much as you think you can, you can't do it. Trust me, I tried it in college. It didn't work as well as I thought it would. And so that's why we organize ourselves together as a church so that we can learn to live this out together as we go back to Scripture constantly. That's why we we have sermons every single week where we're we're not just talking about whatever we want to, but we're going back to Scripture to inform our thinking. Because we have to constantly learn what it looks like to live this out if we want to be faithful to the calling that God has put on us. Right? And so everything we're trying to do at Res City, or, or most of it, is, is intentional to try to put us together so we're in good community, we're learning what it looks like to copy and model and, and challenge and encourage one another. We're, we're learning from scripture, we're learning from people who have gifts or wisdom in a certain area to offer us, to help us to, all to live that out a, as well as we can, and to grow as a, as a church more and more in maturity as ambassadors of new creation and reconciliation. So everything that we do here uh, is intentional. And we live this out in our different values. Um, we have six values. You can go on the website and, you can, and read more about them. But it's God's story, not ours. That's the number one thing that we believe here at Res City. God's story of reconciliation and new creation. And we're just a part of it. We get, you know, he's the one telling the story. And we get to invite to be a part of it. And Jesus is at the center of that story. He's the main character. We're supporting characters at best. And we're just happy we get to be a part of his story. And because of that, though, we're new people, we're made new by entering in the story of new creation and reconciliation, and we live new lives now as a result of that. We have to, again, we have to ask ourselves, how do we live new, how do we live different, how do we live as if we're representatives, we're actually citizens of another place that isn't here? All right, we do it in community by living with one another in community, not just individually, not just in ourselves, but but living together in community on a regular basis, every single week, gathering together. Um, we want to go and then renew culture because. Listen, we like I said, we believe that this is not just something that's happening in our hearts, but God is doing it at a bigger level and we get to be a part of that by going out and trying to 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 bring God's kingdom to the spheres of, of influence that we have. Whatever that is, we've been we've each been given um, amazing opportunities to to bring God's new creation and reconciliation to different places of work, different neighborhoods, different cities, uh, you know, different family and friend groups, we get the, the opportunity to go out and do that. So we are, are conscious to try to be taking what we're learning here and taking it with us. And then finally multiplying disciples, trying to help each other to grow more and more into these ambassadors, okay? And so that's why that's like the big picture vision for why we do what we do here at Res City. That's a big picture vision of, of why we meet in a church every single week, okay? And so we're gonna, like I said, we're gonna take a couple more weeks to keep unpacking why we do church, what this looks like, how we live this vision out well. And so I'm excited to keep going and I hope you guys are too. So uh, what we're gonna do now is we're gonna close. We're going to do uh, four things. Every Sunday, we, we finish with four things. We do communion, giving, worship, and prayer. And so we do communion, like I said earlier, to, again, point our hearts back towards Jesus, and and the grace of the cross, right? If you're ever sitting out in a sermon and Julie or I or whoever is preaching says something that convicts you, that's good, Um, but we want you to remember, like, the whole point is grace, right? If you feel conviction for something, come and, and take and eat and drink and remember the grace that is there for you, that is in Christ. Okay, um, we're going to have giving. It's a chance for you to, uh, to again, to reconcile your thinking and to even to what you do with your finances to put that towards what God is doing in new creation. So we can give in the very back um, at the welcome table. We're going to have uh, worship going on. Where again, we're trying to draw our hearts towards worshiping Jesus and and trying to. Uh, uh, again, connect ourselves to that water supply so that we can bear fruit. Um, and then finally, we'll have prayer in the back. If you would like prayer for anything at all, it, it can be related to what we talked about in the sermon, it can be that you're having a tough week and you want someone to pray for you about that, we'll have someone in the very back who will be there to pray for you. Julie will be back there. Um, so, so please, uh, come and partake in all, all four of these things and have the, right, have the mindset of, of why, why we're doing them and why we do them every single week. Um, you can take communion with us, uh, if, even if you're just a visitor, we just ask that you're a follower of Jesus. So um, I'm gonna invite the worship team back up, I'm gonna pray, and then we're gonna head into that uh, closing time of the service. Lord, we thank you that you are doing something new in a world that is old and is, is weary and is falling apart, and you did, you did something new by sending your son, um, by, by, by reconciling um, us and, 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 and the world back to yourself, and you're doing that, and we get to be a part of that, Lord, through being in your church. I pray that you would help us to, to not lose the vision of the vital importance of that, uh, God, but, but help us to encourage one another, to model to each other well what it looks like to live as ambassadors of reconciliation in whatever space uh, that we get put into, Lord, by your, by your sovereignty. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.